if you're a normal person and you're not super rich, you have to be an investor. It's almost like you can't afford not to be an investor in stocks, real estate. It's like in each of those comes with risk, right? You take risk in all these assets that pay you return, right? The better the return, the more risk you're generally going to take. And you just have to make sure you're smart about it, right? The thing with being the greedy investor or the scaredy cat, you can't be too much on one side or the other. Being too greedy is going to hurt you. Being too scared is going to hurt you just as much. Welcome into the Fruits Ivory Show, go-to podcast for your career, your finances, avoiding the big mistakes, and where we learn from people that have done some amazing things. I'm your host, Wealth Manager, Lee Michael Murphy, and I'm alongside my pal, career advisor, interview coach, Sergio Patterson. What is up? And everyone's favorite attorney, Matthew McElroy. What is up? For today's episode, we are going to be talking about the bad investors, people that have the bad investing mistakes you see them do. And for this episode, I have taken the liberty of making seven different types of bad investors. And I've given them very cute names that uh, will help you understand what type of investor they are. But a really eye-opening. And just in my job, I get to see a lot of the people that make a lot of the big mistakes with their investing and categorize them for you. So Serge, Maddie, I'll start with you guys. Like, you guys ever uh, see certain type of investors that make certain errors, like a certain category or type of investor that you say, ah, they're probably making a lot of mistakes? Anything ring a bell to you guys? Buying Dogecoin. I bought Dogecoin. Dogecoin. Oh, <laughs> the Dogecoin. <laughs> the Dogecoin investor. Yes, uh, definitely a moron. <laughs> it's like it's the guy or girl who buys, who always buys at the top of the market. After the go. news came out, oh, this is flashy thing. It's FOMOing, right? Yes, it's FOMO. Yes, the FOMOer. I yeah. didn't put that one in here, but man, that's a good one. That good, good job, guys. Any other one? The panic seller. The panic seller. I bet I got, I got one. I got the panic seller in here too. So yeah. Um, no, all very good ones, very good ones, guys. All right, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go into it. But before we do so, make sure you smash that like button, share us. We appreciate all the love and support. If you got questions, financial related, career related, legal related, make sure you send them to ask at thefreeretiree.com. So let's go right into it. The first big investor that makes the mistakes, the bad investor. I'm gonna call this one the perfect moment investor. The perfect moment investor. That perfect moment. Mm-hmm. 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 Guys, I Edit that out. Edit no, that. I love Keep it. <laughs> <laughs> so the perfect moment investor, they're writing for the perfect time. They want everything to, they want to time the perfect time to get in. Stock market decline, real estate decline. I think we were just actually talking about this before we recorded. I was going to say, I think we're all guilty of that. I mean, I know I am. (laughs) Yeah, but that perfect moment. And uh, as I said before, no one knows when the next crash is going to happen. Real estate stocks. As I said in a previous episode, I had times when I was at this firm back in 2013, 14, they're talking about the stock market crash and this institution came in or an investment firm. And they had the smartest people and they're talking about, yeah, we're expecting a crash sometime soon. And that was 2013. We've had 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20, 21, 22. And it hasn't happened. I mean, we had a little little hiccup with COVID, but that was brief and temporary and perfect example of why you don't want to be 
the perfect moment investor. Bad strategy. Just if you got the if you got it right, if you have a if you have a good strategy, it will win out on market timing every single time. So don't be the perfect moment investor. Any questions on that one, guys? No, I think it's we've been talking about it, Matt, and I feel like we've been talking about it for a while. Like when mm-hmm. do we get into the market? When do we buy a house? When do we do this? But it's maybe there's never a perfect moment, as as Lee said. Just take action, right? It's about a lot of it's about just taking action. The second one, I'm gonna call this one the researcher knows everything. They have uh, done all their research, they've watched YouTube videos, read the books, they've done the online courses, and yet they still haven't done anything. <laughs> it's like, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. And then at the end of the day, it's like, well, you know all this. Have you done anything? And most of the time, this person says, no, I haven't done it, but I'm researching. So the researcher is number two. That's the, the number two bad investor type that we see out so, there. So there's a thought there, do your research, but then execute. Yeah. It's don't like just, take action, research. right? Like yeah, that's yeah. one of the biggest mistakes. I think in anything is like we can fear makes us want to research about something and we can just kind of, what it's a saying, beat a dead horse or, but you're not really taking any action. So it's great that you've done the research. And we've always said like, it's important to do your research, right? Do your own research, but don't do it to a point where it's the thing that's deterring you from actually making progress. You have to take action. So the researcher, big fault is they don't take action. Bad investor number three. This one is the DIY investor. Very similar to the researcher. They're watching a lot of videos on YouTube. They think they're an expert right? So they don't want to pay anyone for help because they think like, why would I pay a fee? Because I can do all this on my own and I know everything and I'm so smart. And a part of like being a good investor is also knowing like your time is valuable. I'm going to rely on the expert that truly is an expert, not just because I did watch YouTube videos and you know read a book, make believe I'm an expert, but you want to rely on the people that are actual experts. And yes, you're going to pay them a fee. You're not going to have as much money because you paid them a fee. But at the same time, they're going to give you good results and you're going to avoid a lot of the big mistakes. So a common thing that I see, and this is so common, you have a really smart person that's like, oh, I do everything my, on my own. I'm not going to pay for professional help because why would I do that? Because I'm so smart. And then nine times out of 10, you ask this person, like, how much money do you have? They have nothing. <laughs> they have very close to nothing because they've been so conscious on doing everything themselves because they think they're the shit and they don't know shit that they don't get they don't get the results. And so like time and time again from what I've seen in my profession the people that actually do well and make money they just know how to delegate and rely on the experts. So the DIY I agree to it to an extent but really understand that when you pay for professional help in anything there is value there, right? Cuz people that do the DIY thing they make mistakes. And that's the main reason you pay for a professional in anything and is so you avoid the mistakes. Matt, as an attorney, can you attest to this? Like relying on a good attorney that knows what they're doing versus going to YouTube. Oh yeah, it's a huge difference. And it's and even as an attorney going against somebody that isn't represented by an attorney, they're just doing it themselves. It still it puts us in a weird spot too, because this person has no clue what they're doing and you don't want to like take advantage of somebody, but at the same time it's like they're just completely absent of the rules and how things work. So it's like, it's a, that's a perfect example. You got to go get professionals. Yeah. yeah I exactly. think 
this episode for the listeners, dude, I, I feel like there's a lot of DIY investors right now. Mm-hmm. This might be a tough subject for a lot of people. I have friends who I, I actually like have been like, hey, you need to reach out to my buddy Lee. He'll just have a conversation with them because they're like, oh, I want to pick this stock or this stock. And I'm like, go talk to somebody that knows what they're doing. Yeah. And that's just for like anything, right? Like anytime you're getting into stuff that's like complicated, rely on the expert that, you know, that knows what they're doing. The, the thing is like, you know, on the investment side, we'll just talk about this specifically. Uh, common things you see, poor risk management, poor tax strategies. That's everyone's like, I want return, I want return. But like, what's your tax strategy look like at the end of the day? And you probably don't have one if you're a DIY person. Investment allocation, and what's the plan? Like, what's your overall plan besides just making money? Like, there's got to be a bigger plan of how it factors into your life. And most of these people haven't thought that far as well. So, remember, part of being smart is knowing when it's out of your league and you should rely on someone else. Best people that have had the best results in my mind aren't the DIYs. It's the people that actually know when they need to go to a smart attorney, someone that's in the financial world that knows what they're doing with anything. Rely on the expert. That's an important life lesson right there. Number four, the cowboy or cowgirl investor. So this person is solely focused on returns and they're all about what's the performance. And they're generally kind of a stock picker or a crypto picker. And they just, they're just putting all their money there and hoping that they're going to get great results, right? There's no strategy, but they're like, I'm going all in on this. I'm going all in on that. And those people, they might hit a home run every now and then from what I've seen. And it's honestly one of the worst things because since they taste that little bit of success, they think it's replicatable or repeatable and it's not. You can't keep doing it over and over again. Even if, let's make an unrealistic sort of uh, picture here. We have someone that is a genius stock picker. They are the best of the best. 90% of the time, they get that stock pick right. Fantastic. What happens when they get it wrong? They might not recover from that. And that's what you see with the cowboy investor. Not that to say that 90% of the time they're right. I have never seen that. I'm sure it's out there. But realistically, they're going to get most of them wrong. They might start off and get one right. And then that's, they got that in their mind that they can do it again and again. Just not repeatable. Uh, any questions on that one, guys? No, I think that's a good one. It sounds like they're just a gambler. It sounds like a, a really good gambler. Yeah. You might get lucky one or two times mm-hmm. and then lose it all. The house always wins. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. The next one is the gypsy investor. Yeah. I, I probably could have thought of a better name for that one, honestly, but you know, uh, it is what it is. The gypsy investor. So this person, they invest their money, but there's no goal. There's no yeah, end goal in sight. They just invest to invest. I was actually on a podcast with uh, Dr. Ryan Peckham. He's actually going to be coming on our podcast, a professor at Texas. But we were talking about this, that these people are actually really good clients and actually can become great investors because they have the hardest part down, which is just saving a little bit of money. They just need a little bit of direction. So when you're the gypsy investor, the thing is you have to think about like, what's my goal with all this investing? If you can't answer that and you don't have specific goals, you're probably that that sort of investor. Do you have a plan design with your investment strategy? Do you have an investment strategy to deal with the taxes? What are you doing to protect your overall financial plan? You have these investments that are generating you wealth, but you have protection in place to protect the overall financial plan, liability coverage, insurance coverage, estate planning. Do you have that? 
If you don't, you might be this sort of investor. Any questions on the gypsy investor? You just got to come up with a better name. (laughs) Screw you, man. (laughs) We might have some gypsies that might listen to the show. That's right. All right. All right. right. my apologies to all the, the gypsies. The gypsy, we didn't mean to hurt the gypsy community. We didn't want to hurt your feelings. We will come up with a different name for that one. And then on my number six, this is the greedy investor. So very similar to the cowboy. Cowboys just kind of throwing darts everywhere. Greedy investor. This person is generally into picking a single stock and they don't rely on diversification. And in the end, they see their single stock go up and up and up and they don't take their wealth out of it. They get greedy. They're like, well, it's gone up so much. I just got to keep it there. It's like part of when you're investing in single stock positions, you have to know when to take money off the table. You can't get too greedy. Also, the greedy investor, they might have diversified positions, but they might inherently be aggressive still with a lot of equities and stocks. And they're getting closer to retirement. They see their portfolio just running up and up and up and up. And they're like, I love this growth I'm getting, even though I'm close to retirement, I just want to keep it going. And the real answer is, once you get close to retirement, you have to de-risk. You have to figure out strategies to provide safety to your overall investment plan, putting in things, a little bit more stuff in cash, just a little bit, uh, more fixed income instruments, build in some cushion, and ultimately taper down the risk in the portfolio. So you can't be greedy. You have to get to the point you be realistic and be like, well, if I have this risk this close to retirement and I I get another 2008, it's going to be bad. That's how people basically depleted their portfolios is they had too much in all their aggressive assets and they were drawing down during the 2008 crash and they basically depleted their portfolios. So that's why it's important as you get closer towards the end of the finish line, you want to make sure you get a little bit more safety built in. Questions on that, boys? No. Nah, makes sense. All right. And then the last one is the scaredy cat. Scaredy cat investor. Good name? Thoughts, jury? What do you guys think? What's the, what's the jury we, say? We can, we, we can do a workshop. You got to hear what it is first, but if it's okay, what it yeah, sounds yeah. like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I've always, I mean, I've had that happen to me where I had let fear and not prevent me from going towards something like that. Yeah. I, yeah, I yeah. follow but this it, category. And specifically crypto. <laughs> <you know? laughs> so the scaredy cat investor, they tend to keep very high amounts in cash, right? Because they think that that's the safest place to be. They're like, they're saying is cash is king. But the thing is like, what they don't realize is inflation uh, is the king of all kings and will take out cash eventually. So that high amount of cash, although it feels safe, they're losing to inflation every single year. And if they do invest, they're very conservative. They just want like an instrument that's just very fixed income and they can't get really any growth from it because they're not willing to take enough risk. They're like, oh, these bonds, they're going to pay me a little bit. So I, I want to go there because I don't want to mess in the stocks. As we've said before, most people, if you're a normal person and you're not super rich, you have to be an investor. It's almost like you can't afford not to be an investor in stocks, real estate. It's like in each of those comes with risk, right? Even like real estate, as people say, oh, there's no risk. No, there's a ton of risk in real estate. Let's not get it clouded. Like you, you take risk in all these assets that pay you return, right? The better the return, the more risk you're generally going to take. And you just have to make sure you're smart about it, right? Fluctuation is one thing but have a smart investment strategy to avoid being the scaredy cat. Likely the scaredy cat, when they see the market tank, they're going to sell out also, and they're going to take the loss there. 
So the thing with being the greedy investor or the scaredy cat, you can't be too much on one side or the other. Like it's kind of like the Venn diagram, right? You want to be kind of in that sweet spot. You want to be right in the middle to get the good results. Being too greedy is going to hurt you. Being too scared is going to hurt you just as much. That's what people don't realize is you might think like, well, I'm smart because I don't take risk. That's almost stupid. You have to take a little bit of risk, right? Even though it's painful at times. Those are my seven bad type of investors with awesome names that Sergio <laughs> and Matt are like, yeah, those names were awesomely. The, the verdict's still maybe, out on maybe the Maybe one or two of them. <laughs> no, they're overall pretty good. <laughs> Just wait until my article gets published, guys. You go, you'll see. Scaredy Cat, you were saying the phrase cash is king. I was thinking like the ch- game of chess, right? If uh, cash is the king on the chessboard, inflation's like the queen. Cash can only go, the king can only go like in one direction. Queen can do everything, right? More, way more powerful. Yeah. So, like, it seems like inflation is queen in this scenario. And cash, I feel, right? I feel like cash is kind of like the pawn. Mm. But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even, like, seriously, I, I just wouldn't put cash in like such a high regard. I wouldn't even put it as a king. Yeah, yeah, pawn, even better. I'd say pawn. Pawns are valuable at times, they're also expendable. So. I don't know. We're not chess guys, really. Let's not, let's not get ourselves on that. <laughs> I haven't played chess in years. <laughs> you got to watch Queen's Gambit on Netflix. Good show. <laughs> nice. All right, guys. That's all I got for you guys today. So listeners, I hope this was helpful. Hopefully you liked my cool names that I came up with. And hopefully you can apply it to your financial life and realize, yeah, that's me right there. And I got to just watch out for that. Rain that in a little bit so I can become a better investor in the future. Thanks for listening to us. You've been listening to the Free Retiree Show. So long for now. Offered through Securities America Incorporated, member of FINRA, www.finra.org, SIPC, www.sipc.org, a separate entity. Lee Michael Murphy is licensed for the California Department of Insurance, license 0H18660. Lee Michael Murphy is a investment advisor representative with Securities America Advisors, a registered investment advisor. The Free Retiree, Securities America Advisors, and Securities America Incorporated are separate entities. Career Advisor Sergio Patterson, Attorney Matt McElroy are not affiliated with Securities American Advisors or Securities America Incorporated. Securities American Advisors, Securities American Incorporated, and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice. Therefore, it's important to coordinate with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. The content heard in this podcast is not intended to be tax, investment, or legal advice and is intended as general guidance only. You should contact your own tax advisor, financial advisor, or attorney to answer questions about your specific situation or needs before acting upon this information. Third-party source information or comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and are not necessarily representative of all client or audience experience. A portion of this event was paid by a third party. The opinions of career advisor Sergio Patterson do not reflect the opinions of LinkedIn Incorporated or Microsoft Corporation. The opinions of attorney Matt McElroy do not reflect the opinions of Castaneda and company.